podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I Also Hate Pit, joining... Jeremy J and Phoenix, let's get it going. A new week, new topics, let's go. Pop culture. Today we are talking real pop culture, as in the king of all pop culture media, as in celebrity gossip at its pinnacle. TMZ. Jeremy, do you know what TMZ stands for? TMZ, yes I do. Why? Because I looked it up like 10 minutes ago. It's all about L.A. because that's where the entertainment capital of the world is. Not just the United States, but the entertainment capital of the world. To live and die in L.A. It's the place to be. Yeah, yeah, I'm about to give you another sidekick. (laughs) (laughs) Alicia, you out there? Alicia Keys? Where's she at? Where's she at? So the interesting thing about TMZ is how it all started. Harvey Levin is the managing editor. He is famous. He got this whole idea, basically, in part, during the OJ trial. There was a guy who would videotape every day as people were coming in and out from the OJ trial. Harvey Levin saw that, was part of that, and it was part of the idea for how he got all of this started. And TMZ really became a big thing, became a thing in 2005. It is first on all celebrity gossip almost always. Very rarely beaten to punch. It really is. And if they report it, you can take it to the bank almost always because they almost never get it wrong. No, and and, and, at, and at first, and at first, hold your thought, and at first, it wasn't like that. Now more and more, more websites and more media outlets see that they're increasingly um, credible, which is the truth. Like, everything they release seems to be on point. Yeah, they were the first to call the Kobe death, which everyone is talking about this week, and rightfully so. Um, I wasn't sure if it was a hoax, if they'd been hacked because their site went down because that's how much traffic they got. That's how much traffic they get. But there were people who later on were upset that they were the ones who broke the news. They said that it was wrong and that TMZ is trashed morally for um, releasing information about Kobe's death before his wife could be notified by officials. How do you feel about that, Jeremy? I think it's, you know, just like everybody else, first and foremost should be the family's victims. The victim, the victim of the family? No. Yeah, the fa- the families. How's it? Yeah, the, the family of the victims. That's that. Yeah, that's why I was trying to put it. Um, they should be, you know, first and foremost. The problem is the world that we live in. Money rules everything. So, when you break a news before everybody else does, like it or love it, that's the way it goes. I don't think anybody should have been uh, notified before Kobe's uh, uh, family or the other victims' families. But in this world, that's how it goes. There's a race to make money, and that's a terrible thing. Um, do I think TMZ somehow, like, no, because if they hadn't broken, somebody else would have. There, there are 8 billion people in this world. There's many people who cover media. We would love to think everybody had the same ethics as you, but the truth is they don't. So if it wasn't TMZ, it would have been somebody else breaking the news too early because everybody is in a rush to get this information out because the world wants to know. Act like you don't. 
Act like you have other plans. Act like, oh, well, I think the fam. No, you want to know. They know you want to know, and you can't help but click. And that's why they do what they do. You're exactly right. There are European countries that have kingdoms still, at least um, even if they're not actually the government, they still are held in high regard. Of course, in Britain, the British, the British royals are the most famous of all the royals. We don't have royalty here in the United States. But celebrities, they are what would be described as royalty. People are fascinated. In fact, when the site was created, it was described as an effort to further feed the, the current American obsession with celebrities. TMZ is just a symptom of the problem, like you said. The problem is we all want to know. And it's not just that everybody wants to be the first to report. We want to be the first to tell. How many of us have friends that cannot wait to be the first one to tell you guys? I love it. I love it. They will tell you, make sure you don't tell anybody so that they can go tell everybody. Yes. And TMZ just has a much broader platform talking about much more famous people than you and your little friends who gossip. Because no matter what you say, very few people listening to this don't already do the same thing and gossip. I wish Vanessa and the fam and the other families could have found out the way that the rest of us would have from officials before it was plastered all over the Internet. I really do wish that. And I can't imagine how she felt or what she thought when she found out. But let's be real about this. What way would she have learned about it that would have been okay? It's true. What, what way could she have learned about it that would have made it not hurt or not devastate? You lost your husband and your daughter and probably close family friends. And so I don't think how she found out is as important as the fact that it happened. And I don't think of TMZ as anything except for a symptom of the society we live in where everybody's in a race to be first. Everybody wants to see and hear gossip. And if they didn't report it, like you said, somebody else would have because money is the bottom line. That is how capitalism works. You can't like it on one day and dislike it on another. So that's the sad part about it. No, that's how it. I feel. And I, and I feel no, done- no, no. You bringing it. You bringing it. Break it down, big fella. Break it down. Wow. But they've done the same thing with you know, people's divorces with child custody cases. They've done things with all kinds of hurtful or harmful or painful things. This is not the first instance and it won't be the last and they won't be the last ones to break bombshell information. I think it's just, again, something that people, especially in the United States of America need to come to terms with. If you don't like it, don't consume it. If you're consuming it, you can't rail against it. Amen. And the truth is about TMZ, people like wonder how they get their scoops. For me, you think about them just starting in 2005, and now we're here in 2020, 15 years later, and they break every story. Ray Rice, who got the video? Yep. TMZ. They get everything. Everything. Um, it's just it's just incredible to see what they do, and people think, well, how do they do it? Now, TMZ tries to say, oh, we don't pay for stories. Then they went back and said, we pay for certain stories. Yeah. You pay a whole lot of cash to a whole lot of people. To yep. get the There's no way. Group. They were talking about the one with Whitney Houston and allegedly a TMZ reporter stayed at the hotel for weeks on end paying staff until he was able to go into the room and take pictures of where she passed. That's the thing. Cash rules the world. Like it or love it, cash rules the world. That's why we started out with the song Cash Rules Everything Around Me. Cream, get the money. Dollar, dollar bill, y'all. Because that's what it's about. Maybe it shouldn't be. Maybe you hate it. But in the world that we live, money trumps everything. And that's what TMZ is doing. They're shelling out the money and putting in the work and time. And I'm not sitting here condoning the things they do. I'm just telling you what it is. 
That's a wrap. We shut it down. That's how we feel about TMZ. How do you feel about celebrity culture and gossip? How do you feel about TMZ breaking the story? What do you think the protocol should be? How do you keep that information under wraps? Let us know. DM us. Tweet at us. uh, Get at us any way possible. You can even leave us anchor messages. No charge. All fun. All love. Raspy Voice. Raspy Voice! Hey, this is Brandon from the Raspy Voice Kids. We are now teamed up with SeatGeek. SeatGeek, the place to go and get your tickets for any live event that you want to be a part of, especially if you're a sports fan. Use code RaspyVoice, R-A-S-P-Y-V-O-I-C-E, and you get $20 off your first purchase. Code RaspyVoice at SeatGeek. Download the app. Get to saving now. We love our man, Jim Ashley, the quintessential businessman and international world traveler, Jim Ashley. We thank you for being a sponsor and partner with the show. We love having you on. Can't wait till you're here again. The Raspy Voice Kids are brought to you by Swill Dog Hard Cider, the finest hard cider in all of the world, made right there in Franklin, West Virginia. They are encouraging you to get Swill. Hail West Virginia. Time to talk West Virginia University basketball, WVU hoops. The new team is being called Pest Virginia. Jeremy, what are your thoughts so far on what West Virginia has done? They look good. I get caught up in the uh, how good do they really look. Now, this we are recording on Tuesday. Our show comes out on Thursday. Excuse me, we're recording on Wednesday. Our show comes out Thursday. So we are going to have a recap. Beefing, we're going to let you do the recap after the game that we play tonight. But before the game on Wednesday night, looking at them and looking how they beat Missouri, that's what you love to see. That's what you want to see. They came out focused. They came out poised. um, And they came out hungry. After coming off the embarrassment of Kansas State, one of the worst teams in the Big 12 who only have one conference win, I believe, um, to get back in it, to be mentally strong enough to get back in it, to hit, sh- hit shots, to stick with it, to stay with it, was a-, a great thing, an absolute great thing to see. Um, the thing that's tough for me, though, is us going through these droughts. We went up 20-6. to six. They came back. First half, we didn't score a lot of points. At the end result, when Culver came back in to take over the game, um, to really put his stamp on the game, came in with fouls, still played ball. That was big to see, but I honestly will tell you, like I'm in a constant evaluation state. I'm constantly trying to think, will my dream come true this year? You know, we're at that point where our team is good enough that I am wondering this as I'm watching this team. In the first half, when we are unable to score, it's easy to get buckets when you're up. When you're up eight points, it seems like the ball falls in a lot more. I want to see the people who can put the ball in the hole when we are having that drought. When we start off well, and then we go eight minutes without a bucket. Do you know who those guys are? Who are they? Deuce McBride, Derek Culver. I, I agree. I also say Osaboyan, which shocks me because Osaboyan, man, I'm telling you, at the beginning of the year, he was like Dennis Rodman. Like, he couldn't play offense. He get the ball in space and didn't know what to do. Then I guess he got mad at everybody. He's like, look, y'all going to stop talking about me not knowing how to play offense. I, I didn't learn a thing or two. 
And now this dude is just in, ta- in attack mode. The truth is, it kind of reminds me. I can't remember if it was the first or second championship run that uh, Golden State had. What happened is the defense, the defense would bring a double team on Steph. Steph would swing it to the top of the key to uh, uh, Draymond Green. Draymond Green had so much space because now they're playing four on three that he has a million options. I can shoot it. I can run up and shoot it. I can hit somebody else. We're playing four on three that he didn't know what to do the first couple times. Actually, the whole game, because I remember I was frustrated with him. It wasn't until they went back, looked at film study, and and they said, hey, this is what you do. Did he realize what he's supposed to do? Also, Boyan feels the same way. A lot of times early on, he would catch the ball in space. He would catch the ball at the free throw line, and his man be way off him. And it's like it was too much space because he's not going to shoot it. What do you do? Now, he realizes after looking at film and talking to all the assistant coaches and Bobby Huggins, when I get this ball, I'm going to use it as momentum. I'm going to use it to take a few steps. And he's agile enough that he's not drawing the charge. He uses his momentum to take it to the cup. And that's what he's doing. He's attacking. He's grabbing the ball. He's attacking. No, he's not looking to shoot. But he's attacking. And that's what we need because we get foul whistles. We get free throws. Um, and he's able to dump it off when people slide over. I love seeing what Osaboy is doing because he's growing. And he, he they, they, you know, they gave him a curveball, gave him a bunch of room. Now he's like, okay, please do. Please do that so I can show you what I'm going to do with it. And the dude is, has, has been balling since. Well, the thing that I think is funny is that what you're talking about is 100% right. The evolution of Gabe is very obvious and present. But there's more to it than that for me. His his entry passes to the post are the best on the team. Absolutely. Which makes no sense since he's not a guard. But they are. And it's a huge difference when you've got Oscar Sheebway and Derek Culver catching clean passes in good position because of Gabe also buying. So that's what I love about Gabe. I just love that this team is so deep. There's so many different options all the time, and you just can't get comfortable as you, if you're the opponent. Fresh legs coming at you nonstop. Nah, and that's what you need. Now, that's what I made reference to last week. That's the reason why I don't mind fouls. I used to get so frustrated when they call these little ticky-tack fouls, and it does frustrate you. But I feel like in the long run it's going to help us out because every game we play with foul troubles. Culver has two. Sheboy has two. Uh, Osaboya has two. The other team doesn't know what to do when they get in foul trouble. They're not as deep as us. They're not as good as us. They're not as mentally tough. I, I guess for the fact of they haven't been there. We, we're pretty much there every game. Every it's game. Another, it's another game. Everybody has two fouls in the first half. It's another game. But we're deep enough that we show up and we keep playing hard. What I love is, is Culver was trusted to come in and play with a bunch of fouls and he's like, I can do it, coach. And he did it. And he led. And he changed the game when he came in. And, and I said this once again a couple of weeks ago. The rim protection is starting to be real, Brandon. Yes. It, oh, it's yes. It's starting to be real. No more gimmies. No more get by them. If I get by them, I defender. There's not going to be anybody inside. No. You're going to get blocked. You're going to get fouled hard. One of the two. And I love it. We need that. You need that edge. And it's a signature of Bobby Huggins' team to have that kind of edge around the basket on both sides of the ball. What we love, need. I'm sorry, go ahead. What, what do you love? No, you, go, you go ahead. What we need is we need Sean McNeil and Taz Sherman to start being those scorers. Now, right now, like, okay, last game we scored points. 
And we've been scoring points pretty well, but we have these droughts where we need somebody to ignite the offense. And we keep saying Taz Sherman, uh, one of the high scores last year uh, in, in a different division of basketball. Uh, uh, Sean McNeil, the highest scorer. Oh, he had 50-point games. Um, I understand because they don't get as many shots, don't get that feel of the ball as much. But if we can get them – but if we can get them to start being contributors, 10 points a game, every game, every game start shooting it like they can, that's what I'm waiting for. Can Taz and McNeil – if Taz and McNeil start scoring with their limited time that they get on the court, I'm not saying unbeatable, but it's going to be a real tough task, real tall task for a team to beat West Virginia University if those two guys start scoring. If they're getting like they 20 can. a game, I'm saying we win a national championship. Oh, 20 a game for sure. That's why I said 10. No, you said 10. If, if they combine for 20 a game, we're winning a national championship. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because guard play runs the runs the NCAA tournament, and our guard play is shaky. And McBride, and McBride's not going to be on every game. McBride has a pretty shot. His shot goes in. Um, but – Basketball's basketball, so some games are just going to be off. And those games that McBride's off, we need somebody else to step up. Um, Harlow will give you points. Napper will give you points. McCabe is starting to hit. But we need a consistent 15 to 20 points from two players, um, and it's a wrap. Well, I can't wait to see where we go from here. We're 16-3, and 3-3 three. Three and three on the road, 3-0 and oh on neutral courts, 10-0 and oh at home. Number seven in net rankings, the rankings used by the NCAA to evaluate teams, which puts us at a solid two seed, a chance to be a number one seed with the schedule that we have left. And seeding matters in the tournament. Seeding really makes a difference in your path. And so we'll have to wait and see how this goes. But so far, West Virginia University basketball has given us every reason to be excited and every reason to believe that Hugs has truly made WVU basketball great again. Yep, and I'm saying this early. If somehow we don't get a number one seed... I hope we get put in San Diego State's bracket. Well, I'm not really afraid of anybody, to be honest. The only team I'm afraid of is Kansas at Kansas. Yeah. And that's, and that's, out, the, that's out of the way already. <laughs> yep. But besides that, I'm not afraid of anybody. I'm not saying we're the best team in the country, but we can play with and beat any team in the country. West Virginia loses a game in Lubbock, Texas. Going down to play the Red Raiders is never going to be an easy task, not with Chris Beard at the helm. But the ref show took off. Duck Sermons and crew caught all kinds of fouls, technicals included. We did okay in the second half. We definitely had more foul shots than they had. But it wasn't a matter of that. It was more of a matter of the flow of the game and the fact that the refs were too involved. I'm tired of that nonsense. It's just like you guys are tired of the Big 12 ref show. What I will say is West Virginia just didn't make shots, and Tech did. They made more than 11 threes tonight. They were 11 of 17 at one point. You're not going to beat a team very often, no matter how many turnovers you get. One point, Texas Tech had 21 turnovers. West Virginia still could not capitalize. So it's back to the drawing board. How can we win on the road? We're 3-4 and four on the road, 3-0 and oh in neutral site, 10-0 and oh at home. It's on the road. And I think a lot of what you're going to figure out is that this is about maturity. This team is young, and they don't have the maturity to overcome the obstacles that they're, that they're in, encountering on the road, especially not against a team as good uh, or as well-coached as Texas Tech. And, again, Texas Tech being well-coached is one part of it, but the other part is they just made shots tonight. So you got to give kudos to Chris Beard and Texas Tech squad. They made shots tonight. 
West Virginia did not make shots, not when they needed them, not when they counted. They got too far behind, too often, too much foul trouble. I will say this, it's time for McCabe to be on the bench, not because I don't like the guy, not because I don't think he works hard, but because I think McBride is the better player. At this point in the season, McBride is the better player. McBride needs to be starting. That's my opinion. Brandon Phoenix, I also hate Pitt. That's how I see it. Um, and don't say I'm bashing McCabe because if you're if I'm if I'm bashing McCabe, then saying McBride shouldn't start is is bashing McBride. So don't say I'm bashing McCabe. I'm not bashing him. I just think McBride's a better player. I think our offense is more flow when he's in the game because he can create and knock down his own shot. So that's what we need out of our West Virginia offense. The defense. <sighs> I felt like we tried hard. I just felt like Texas Tech was better. They were just better. They were the better team. They got the job done. So that's my analysis, my quick little instant analysis on WVU versus Texas Tech. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of this. As you heard us say earlier, we were projected to be a number two seed, a very strong two seed. I don't know how this is going to look after Lenardi checks out this loss. Uh, but we'll worry about that when it when it matters because it doesn't matter yet. We're still in Fe- we're not even in February. It's still January. So right now we're just gonna worry, figure out how to win on the road, and figure out how to make shots. And that's that. Rat me, boys! Big shout to Shrinkables. Shrinkables supporting the RVK partnership since day one. You want the dopest gear out? You want to look fresh while rocking the Mountaineer brands? The best thing to do is go to bookexchangewv.com. That's where you get the flyest apparel. The Book Exchange is going to hook you up for listening to the RVK. Use code R-A-S-P-Y-V-O-I-C-E, Raspy Voice. Code Raspy Voice when you go to bookexchangewv.com to get the flyest Mountaineer gear and souvenirs. Sad week for the world, but especially the basketball world, the sports world. Kobe Bean Bryant has passed away at 41 years old due to a helicopter crash that involved eight other people. A total of nine people were killed in the car in the helicopter crash, including his daughter Gigi and others. Um, and Jeremy and I wanted to take a few minutes to express our feelings and thoughts about this tragedy. Um, I want to say up front. I'm not one of these fake people who's going to pretend like I was a big Kobe fan. I wasn't a big Kobe fan. I um, was. I I wasn't. I when he came in the league, I felt like he tried too hard to be Michael Jordan. Um, and then I started being the kind of person who would advocate for Kobe because I didn't like when people said LeBron was better than him when LeBron hadn't reached that point yet defensively and otherwise. Um, and so and I also was very upset when Steve Nash won MVPs over Kobe even though Kobe was first-team all-defense and leading the league in scoring. Um, but I just stand for truth and justice, so I would fight for Kobe on an objective level less than a I-love-Kobe-Bryant level. But Kobe in retirement, Kobe finishing with 60, first of all, that last game, getting 60 points. Kobe at the free-throw line with a torn Achilles, which I've torn two. I've torn my left Achilles, I've torn my right Achilles. Watching Kobe go to the line and sink two free-throws before going out, you know, from the game knowing he was done, because you know you're done when you tear an Achilles. You can feel it. 
Um, and then watching him mature as a human being, and watching him evolve as a human being, turned me into a Kobe fan in a way that I didn't realize until he passed. Um, and so through the course of this conversation, I wanted to be clear that I'm not just some stan. I'm just being, I'm just being real. Jeremy, what were your thoughts on Kobe? You know, Kobe wasn't perfect. You know, he had he had certain you know things in his past that weren't perfect, and a lot of times when he didn't act the most mature and he made you know some big mistakes in his life, um, I was always a Kobe fan on the court. Kobe just had that mentality they call the mama mentality, but it was just ruthless. Like he didn't just want to beat you. They talk about him and Jordan. They wanted to take your heart. I love the not scared of anything. Um, and then you hear about all the young players uh, that he like reached out to and that he talked to. You could see that it's genuine and it's real. Everybody's telling their Kobe story about how he said something genuine and something real. Mix that in with his grit to win. Like Jordan said, uh, Stephen A was talking about how he was talking to Jordan. And Jordan said, yeah, Kobe said that to me. He's like, man, I wish his only regret is that I didn't play uh, you in your prime. He said, because I'd have busted your butt. And Jordan was like, yeah, he said that. He said that to my face. Um, that's the that's the ultimate mentality in sports. Don't back down. Um, just, you know, you got to have that self-will. Kobe had that. It was relentless and it was apparent in the way that he went about things on the court. Um, like I, I'm like you. Then when you see what he's done and everybody coming out and talking about the conversations, the real conversations, the reporters talk about how respectful, but how um, I believe it was uh, Jason Williams who said, the thing about Kobe is a lot of people who are superstars get caught up in this and caught up in that and thinking about the next move. He said, every single time that I saw Kobe and talked to Kobe, he was present. He'd ask me how I was, how things were going on, and he was present. He was in that moment. That was since retiring. I think that's big. And, you know, everybody's sitting there telling their little Kobe moments. So I want to tell mine. When I uh, when I met Kobe Bryant, <laughs> like, just joking. I, didn't I was like, Kobe. what? I was like, what? <laughs> No, no, but my Kobe moment, um, people talk about how he doesn't have a signature play or like a signature game. Uh, I remember Colin Cowherd always saying that. Uh, For me, my Kobe moment to say this guy is greater than you was in the Olympics. I can't remember what year it was. I think it was a redeemed team. They were on the ropes, gold medal game, and in the final uh, game, he scored or assisted on like the final, I don't know, 25 points on a team full of superstars. LeBron in his prime, Carmelo in his prime, Chris Paul, uh, Jay, uh, Jason Kidd. Everybody was on that squad and everybody was on the in their prime. And in their prime, everybody deferred to Kobe and Kobe went off hitting shot after shot after shot after four-point play after assist. If you haven't seen it, go go YouTube it. The Olympic game where Kobe goes off, it's one of the greatest things you'll see. Look at the time. Not just that him scoring, not just that him assisting. Look at the time that's left on the clock. When he goes off, it's in the fourth quarter. It's in the fourth quarter, and the whole game is, is with three or four points, and he keeps hitting bucket after bucket. Even when you can see that he's older and he doesn't have the lift he used to do, that that fortitude and that strength and that – let me talk about the determination. Like He uh, he talks about Allen Iverson. Wearing him, wearing him out his uh, his rookie season, he scored forty one. Iverson scored forty one on Kobe. Kobe got off the plane 
and, and went and shot free th- uh, and went and shot in the gym for two hours. He said he studied Iverson all summer long. He said because he promised himself, himself that would never happen again. Next time they played, Iverson had no points. I I, can't, I don't know if it was through the first half or the entire game, but Iverson was held within check because Kobe was truly a student of the game. But he wasn't just a student of the game; he was a student of greatness. So in any aspects of art. Um, especially after his career, you can see how that really showed itself because he dove in. Um, like I said, I'm not trying to make this guy like the greatest person in the world. I don't know, dude. I, I hear the way people talk about him. I'll just say I had respect for his worth ethic, and I loved his mentality. Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way. And I want to go back to what I said about him evolving as a human being. He had the allegation, the sexual assault allegation against him, which he vehemently denied in which ultimately was settled out of court, so he was never convicted of anything. Now, not being convicted of anything does not prove one way or the other. It doesn't prove you're innocent. It doesn't prove you're guilty. Um, but I don't think it's fair to tell his story without telling that part. What I'll say is, typically, people who are rapists often, often have multiple allegations. One of my favorite things about Kobe Bryant is, if he didn't do it, then he deserves to have his name cleared and vindicated. If he did do it, he learned from that and did not continue to make the same mistakes and did not continue to prey upon people the way so many other people in society have. Um, He evolved from it. He learned from it. He grew from it. Um, You didn't see his name associated with those kinds of allegations ever again. He made a homophobic slur against a referee in a basketball game for which he was suspended. He didn't blame anybody else. He didn't say it was a misunderstanding. He didn't try to say, I said, flag. He didn't try to change the narrative. He owned up to it, took responsibility for it, and apologized. And then he learned from it as somebody on Twitter, one of his followers, was using homophobic slurs, and Kobe called him out. And I just like that Kobe evolved as a human being. He seemed to be in the pursuit of greatness on all levels of life at all times, including being a father. And the hashtag girl dad is trending right now. Um, I happen to have a boy and a girl. But I understand the importance of a relationship between a father and a daughter. And even though the importance is the, there's, there's an equal amount of importance for a father and a son, the relationships are different. And as they get older, it'll be even more different. And Kobe was excited and ecstatic to, to have children. You think of mama mentality. You think of high testosterone. You think of ego. You think of, you think of a red-blooded American male. Most men in this country, if, when asked, often will say that they don't want a girl, or at least not a girl first. Kobe was ecstatic with the children that he had. You could tell he loved his family. I, that, and that's the thing I didn't appreciate. Like, I know you see certain things, but the depth of how he was a father, like there's certain pictures you look at, you can just tell she loves that man. Yes. You know? Um, I, that, that, that is what gets you. Some of those pictures, the, and, and listening to the way people talk about how he felt for his daughter and how he felt for his family um, in, in those times, that, that's what gets you, you know, a little emotional. Yeah, and I want to make it clear. I'm not excusing Kobe Bryant if he was guilty of sexual assault. I'm not saying that. I'm just talking well, I, about the evolution of a, yeah. as a human being to if that was your darkest moment and if that was a terrible thing that you did, there's no excuse for it. Um, but to, to make the change and to make the adjustment and to grow from it and to not let that be who you are or make a pattern of that in your life, especially as a, cele- a rich, powerful celebrity, um, I respect it. I respect that. Absolutely. So 
And I just, uh, I Jeremy, where are you? By the way, where do you feel? Where do you land on whether or not the logo should be changed to Kobe? I think because of the allegations, it'll never happen. I, I don't think I, those allegations weren't there. He would be the logo of the NBA because they've been like you know I, you've heard little rumblings about changing it for for a long time, um, but specifically because it is Jerry West and we are Mountaineers, I would love to see it stay Jerry West just because we're Mountaineers. I mean that's that's all we got. We ain't got no national championships right now. We need don't, it. Don't try, don't try, we, we need it. We need it. Um, but. Aside from that fact, I think it would be I, I think it would look dope. I mean, I think it would be great and it'd be a great story to tell and say, Hey, this is this is the remembrance of this guy on the court. This is this is uh this is this is I don't know. I, I just think it'd be cool. I'm anti also. Um I wanted to stay Jerry West. I don't think companies and corporations usually don't change their logos drastically for a reason. And the NBA's logo is iconic. Um, I think it'll stay the way that it is and think it should. I think the allegations. But you know what just hit me? How much money would they make if they did switch it? They'd make a ton of money initially. Um, I, I'm talking about China. I mean, like, that, that's the thing about Kobe. Kobe crossed seas. Like, Michael Jordan was big. Kobe Bryant, like they say, was a bigger star than Michael Jordan ever was in China and across the world. Italy, Paris. All them having, you know, front news because, you know, he grew up in Italy. Uh, he did a lot of things in China. Um, so th- this so we talk about global branding. This is a lot of money. And like we had on the first, you know, all pop culture, cash rules, everything. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Nike sold out of all their online store Kobe Kobe items. Did you see that? No, I didn't. I Look, look, I have a, I have a shirt. With the tag still on it, I, sh- I showed it on Twitter. It says Mamba out. It's from the night uh, in 2016 after he retired. They went on sale. They sold out quick. Somehow I got on there to get one. I have it. Um, and it's a special piece. Those are our thoughts on Kobe Bean Bryant, a legend in the NBA game, a, a mountain of a man in life, a tremendous father, and uh, a man who will be missed by millions of people who never even met him. I'm young, but uh, I'm not going to back down from anyone. Uh, I'm just going to play hard. And, uh, no, who knows? Dear Kobe. Dear Kobe. Dear Kobe. Dear Kobe. Dear Kobe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Kobe Bean. Kobe, thank you, man. Dear Kobe. Thank you. Thank you for your passion, your commitment, and dedication to basketball. Thank you for showing us that the number 24 isn't just a number on your jersey, but the amount of hours in the day that you have to devote to the game to be the best. Thank you for giving and giving and giving. Thank you for pushing through when your body says no, but your heart says yes. Thank you for the games that you refuse to lose and the ones you always seem destined to win. Thank you for your endless drive. For showing us that even on your worst day, there's nothing else to do but push harder. For showing us there's no such thing as magic, but only hard work. 
Thank you for playing the game the way it was meant to be played. Thank you for teaching us to believe in ourselves, even when nobody else did. For 20 years, you gave our game all you had, and we are eternally grateful. Thank you for being you, competitor supreme. Thank you for loving the game of basketball. Congratulations, and uh, you know, we're going to keep chasing you. Podcast Network.